Hi, this is Brad Zocco, co-pastor of Bethel Church Edgemont in Edgemont, South Dakota. I hope this message today inspires you. I hope it builds you up and leaves you wanting to learn more about the kingdom of God. Let's go. Anybody who's horse, a horse person has heard the phrase, release the pressure. And when you release that pressure, that release of pressure becomes the reward. See, when a horse is obedient, pressure is released. See, obedience to God is actually not a whole lot different than that. See, we've all heard stories of people who gave of their finances even when they didn't really have the finances to give, only to receive a large check in the mail. We've heard those stories or an anonymous donor coming to help out. We shared a story about when Pastor Nancy was sick and we received a donation from somebody that paid the electric bill just to the penny. When we're faithful, God rewards us. We've heard of stories about people who followed what God had asked them to do, however crazy it sounded. Oftentimes those people were rewarded with things such as great joy or blessing or some type of life-giving benefit. See, when we are obedient, we are rewarded. Obedience always brings about a blessing. Our willingness and our desire to be obedient to what Jesus says is the entire heart of our faith walk. You know, I use the word faith walk because it's ongoing. And you really can't separate the two. You can't separate faith from obedience. They go hand in hand. The book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. In other words, faith leads to obedience and obedience leads to reward. And that reward is often a blessing. A gentleman by the name of Craig Groschel, he's the senior pastor of Life Church, a big mega church, summarizes and corrects how most Christians view obedience. He says, I believe Christians often perceive obedience to God as some test designed just to see if we are really committed to Him. But what if it's designed as God's way of giving us what's best for us? Have you ever felt that way? God, I'm being obedient today. Just give me some benefit. Like a, this equals this. This test that if we study hard, we're going to pass. But really, our obedience is God's way of saying, this is really what's best for you. You know, we must be obedient because we want to, not because somebody tells us or the Bible says it to this. Think of it this way. I'm going to give you two topics, the topic of fasting and the topic of tithing. Sometimes those are difficult conversations to have as Christians, and oftentimes we feel like the pastor is standing up at the front of the stage and he's telling us that we must fast because the church is fasting as a group. Or we may come up and say, hey, I really need you to consider and start to tithe and think about that. You know, if we do either of these things because somebody else tells us to do them, it becomes a burden and we fail to produce the blessing that God is trying to give on our lives. See, obedience brings blessing. So today I want to share with you the story of when Jesus first called his disciples to lead him. It comes from the book of Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. And it starts as this, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. 
He got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deeper water and let the nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and I haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he, he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee and Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, they left everything, and they followed him. So that was the beginning of it all. The beginning of it all started with a question of obedience and following what Jesus had to say. So right now I want to talk about two of those requests that Jesus made. First request was that Jesus wanted to use Peter's boat as a platform to address the multitude. Now, this wasn't really a crazy request by any means, but Peter's willingness to comply with Jesus saying, yes, you can take my boat out onto the water, that was the beginning of great things, life-changing blessings that were going to happen in his life. Now, the second request, Jesus asked them to throw out their nets. And, you know, they had a choice that day. They could have been like, yes, Jesus, we'll be glad to do that. Or they could have said, you know, Jesus, not a chance. You're crazy. I mean, you're a teacher. You're not a fisherman. Why are you telling us to do this? But that day they chose to be obedient. Notice this in verse 5. It says, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. See, he was obedient that day. You know, obedience leaves the outcome to God. It doesn't leave the outcome to us. You know, there was an outcome in his obedience. If we go back to verse 6, it says, When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. See, they had the information that day. The information was, go fishing again. Then the information became a revelation and it flowed into an application upon their lives. See, Jesus asked them to go fishing, and as crazy as it sounded, they obeyed. The fishermen were blessed when they applied what Jesus had asked them to do. See, God always has an abundance waiting to manifest in your life, but we must be obedient to what it is that He asked us. That day, Peter obeyed, and Jesus intervened in his life. So today in my message, I want to talk about three reasons why we must be obedient, why it's critical to our lives when we choose to follow Jesus. The first one is, is that obedience in small things will lead to big blessings. Think about your life and think about those small things that you've done in your life, whether it was sending somebody a card when they weren't feeling well. Maybe it was just taking a moment to pray before you went on a journey, but when we engage in those small things... It leads to big blessings in our lives. The book of Psalms, chapter 128, verse 1 says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord and who walk in obedience with Him. Now think about that word fear in that statement. Blessed are all who fear the Lord. We have to remember that the biblical definition of fear isn't the same as the way we think of it. It's not the same as thinking, okay, I go around this corner into a dark alley and this giant man starts to walk towards me. 
That's an earthly fear. It's not like that at all. Biblical fear is more closely tied to the word reverence. Great awe, respect, something you might see if you heard a story about a veteran who had given his life for his brothers so that they may live. But yet how it's somehow even greater than that if we think back to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, it says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord, the Almighty. See, that day Isaiah was in the presence of God and being in the presence of God makes our unclean and sinful lives even more vivid. Let's pretend for a moment. I want to ask you to imagine for a moment this crazy story. Imagine you were going on a family vacation. For some of you, you're like, yeah, Pastor Bad, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> but that's not it. Imagine that you were going on a family vacation and you decided to take Jesus along and he sat in the back seat with you. Okay, some of you are like, uh-oh. Can you imagine how many times you and your family would feel the need to apologize to Jesus if he was in the back seat with you that day? I mean, like, oh, sorry, Jesus, I didn't know that song was going to go on. Let me change the station. Oh, sorry, Jesus, I didn't mean to get mad at that person that cut me off. Those words just came out of my mouth. Or maybe something a little more serious such as, sorry, Jesus, I know I ate all that food when I could have given it to the man that we passed on the side of the road. See, we must hold reverence for God in all things, even those little things when nobody else is watching or we simply don't want to do something that we know we should do. You know, oftentimes our greatest blessings come as a result of the willingness to do something that's seemingly unimportant to us. You know, I want to share a quick story on Wednesday afternoons or Wednesday evenings and oftentimes at noon or 11.30, a gentleman who lives up the street will walk down the street and he will take a rest on the stairs of the church. And generally somebody will come up and say, Pastor Nancy or Pastor Brad, he's out there again. And oftentimes when he's sitting out there taking a rest, we'll go out and we'll have this conversation because he's walking all the way down to the store to buy some groceries. And he doesn't walk very fast and he walks with a cane. And so quite often I'll walk out and I'll say, hey, do you need a ride today? And, and he'll get in the car and we'll go down to the store and it seems pretty small. But the blessing is, is however brief that little time we spend together is, I've got to hear some absolutely amazing stories about this man's life that I would have never known if I would have just said, you know what, it's not that big a deal. You know, we must be obedient in the small things. So the second reason why obedience is critical is because our obedience really benefits other people. You know, your obedience isn't just about you. Your obedience and your tithing or your giving of your times, it's not just because you will reap a reward someday. Your obedience benefits other people. When you are obedient, you become a channel for God to flow through. So years ago, I was in a different administrative position, and I know I think I shared this message with the youth this week, but I had this teacher, and she came to school, and she was sick. She was the kind of sick when you talk, it sounds like no words are coming out of your mouth, and they're all coming out of your nose. She could hardly talk. And so the doctor had put her on some very heavy cough medicine because she was coughing, and it was cough medicine with codeine. It was some pretty strong stuff. And because she was so sick, she decided to keep it in her desk so that when she didn't feel well, she didn't have to worry about it and she could just go take that medicine. Well, the school that I was at was a boarding school and many of the kids that came to that school came from families with huge drug and alcohol problems. 
And on that day, she stepped out in the hallway to supervise the hallway. And as some kids came into the room that day, they went looking through her desk drawers and they found the bottle of cough syrup with codeine. And a couple of them shared the bottle and they drank it all the way down. Luckily, nothing horrible happened to them. My guess is they probably wanted to go back to the dorms and take a nap and everything was okay. But when that information came to me, I was left with a very difficult decision because I was in an administrative role and part of that role is giving consequences to children and unfortunately sometimes adults. So I brought her into the office that day and we talked about it and I said to her, I said, Carrie, I hate to tell you this today, but you know, we have policies in place and you've broken them and we're going to have to suspend you from work without pay for the remainder of the week. Now, many of you would imagine that if you were sent home for the remainder of the week and told you were going to make no money, your life would be filled with stress. Because many of you, you'd add up that day and that day and that day, and it would equate to a bill that wouldn't get paid. And so Carrie went home and she was a little bit upset, but about a week later, she came into my office and she was a very kind-hearted woman, very soft-spoken woman. She knocked on her door very pleasantly and said, excuse me, I hate to interrupt you, but do you have a minute? And that day, she sat down at my desk and she said these words that will never leave my mind. She said, I really want to thank you. She said, I want to thank you for what you did the other day. You see, you could have ignored it or you could have yelled or you could have screamed, but basically you just said, this is our policy. This is what has to happen. You were kind and you were gentle. And really, I needed that life lesson to learn. It was crazy. I didn't understand it. I had never had anybody thank me for disciplining them. But see, it wasn't about the discipline that day. I truly believe it's about the character that God put within me, the words that He gave me that day to speak. Because if we live a life of character, we will benefit others by showing them the Christian way. We're actually going to benefit others if we're obedient with God. See, I believe as a church, we are an extremely giving church. We give of our time, we give of our finances, we give of our talents. But today isn't the day that we stand back and we pat ourselves on the back and say, great job. That's not the day today. And you know, we can't stop giving. And I'm going to tell you, this isn't about me coming up here and bringing up saying, you know what, you need to dig deeper into your, into your wallets and you need to pay more because that is not at all what I'm saying today. It's all about being obedient to what God tells us to do. You know, we've all heard the story in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 9. It says, Here is a small boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? See, we've, always, we've all heard this story, the story of Jesus feeding the multitudes with five loaves of bread and two small fish. And if you're like me, you thought about that as Jesus feeding the people. We didn't think about where that food came from that day. See, it's an amazing story of the miracles that Jesus can perform, but yet He couldn't perform the miracle unless a small boy was willing to come up and give everything that he had. That young boy that day was obedient. Or how about the poor widow in Luke chapter 21, verses 1-4? through 4? It says, As Jesus looked up and He saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury, He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of the others, and these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Not only was this woman willing to give, but she was willing to give everything that she had. The poor widow that day was obedient. 
Or how about the woman who traveled with Jesus and his disciples? In the book of Luke, it says, After this, Jesus traveled out from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. And then it says, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. See, the Bible tells us that these women had made a conscious decision to ensure that Jesus and his disciples were able to spread the good news. These women gave everything they had. These women were obedient. Or how about one last story, the Good Samaritan, the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 34. It says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. If you think about that story, I don't imagine that this young man or this old man, the Bible doesn't tell us, was going down this road that day and he was intending to head to the inn. I don't imagine that was the case. I imagine he had somewhere else he was planning to go, yet he saw someone in need and decided that he was going to take care of him that day. So what did he do? He chose to walk and he put the man on his donkey. He poured oil and wine to cleanse his wounds, and this was a commodity that was vitally important in those days. Then he took this man to the inn and he paid for him to have a room so that he could rest and that he could heal. See, that day, this man, the Good Samaritan, chose to give of his time, his resources, and his finances. The Good Samaritan was obedient. See, when you're obedient in your giving, whether it's the giving of your time, the giving of your talents, and your finances, you become a channel for the blessing in the lives of other people. And in return, you receive the blessing for yourself. See, when we're obedient, we set the standard for generations to come. Think about the children and the youth in our church and our community that look to us every single day. They look to us to see how we should behave and how we should act. And when we are obedient, they will follow in our footsteps. In Genesis 22, remember God told Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, on the altar. Parents, can you imagine that moment? That audible voice in your ear where God says, today I want you to give your son or your daughter who you love and sacrifice them so that others may benefit. In other words, I want you to kill your son as a sacrifice to me. Can you imagine the struggle? You want me to do what? You want me to sacrifice my son? I imagine that day that Abraham must have truly questioned God that day. I imagine it was a struggle. You know, how many times do we question God when He asks us to do something? When we get that thought in our head as we're driving down the road that we, we really should go do something. And we're like, no, that's just a crazy thought. There's no way God would ask me to do that. But that day, Abraham took his son and he laid him on the altar as a sacrifice. And look what God said to Abraham in verse 18. He says, And through your offsprings, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. See, obedience brings blessing, but you can't hide obedience from other people because others see it and they desire it when they see you. We always say people should look at you as Christians and say, I don't know what it is about those people. In this case, they might say they're a little bit crazy, but I want more of what they have. And they should see our obedience and want more. The third reason why obedience is so critical is that obedience actually brings joy. 
Okay? Joy for ourselves and more importantly, joy for other people. See, Jesus turned an empty boat into a full, almost sinking boat that day. So if you want to increase favor in your life, start by obeying God in every area. Trust what the Bible says. Trust when God speaks to you. See, God gave us His Word for a reason. Obedience to His Word is obedience to Him. In fact, in the book of James, it tells us, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. And like our mother said to us when we were children, do what it says. See, Do not merely listen to the Word, it tells us. We're called to do what the Bible says. This means every aspect of His Word. You know, I'm going to go through a series of verses here, but the Bible is filled with numerous verses that tell us to rejoice in our trials or our struggles or our suffering. Anybody out there think that that's a hard command to follow sometimes? What? You want me to be happy today? You want me to rejoice today in my struggles? Rejoice in my suffering. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, while God of all grace, who has called you in His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Book of James tells us, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Book of First Thessalonians says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ in you. Back to the book of John, it says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Book of James says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith Produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lack nothing. See, we're all called to follow God's word and even in the midst of our struggles. So last week, those of you who were here, we had a, a great message on talking about faith. And I want you to look at faith and obedience as two things that go hand in hand. Think of it as a math problem, the fact that faith equals obedience. See, if you're not walking in obedience, you're not walking in faith. Sharon's going to put a picture up here on the, on the screen, and I shared this picture with the youth. Some of you, this may make you chuggle, and I think most of you understand the analogy of an elephant in the room, and here we have two people who are trying to have a nice dinner together, and the gentleman says, uh, do you have something that we should talk about? So, We have something we should talk about. I believe that there's an elephant in the room, and I believe that it's going to speak to me and it's going to speak to all of you. So as many of you, I'm sure, are aware, last Thursday, I walked into the the office. You know, I preached the message last Sunday on faith, but three days before on Thursday, I walked into the office with a letter in hand, and I turned in my resignation as principal in the Edgemont School District. It was a tough day. You know, I was, in fact, um, you know, if you didn't know that, I'm sorry that I delivered it that way, but it was a tough day. It was a tough day for me. It was a tough day for Nancy. I remember going out to the barn with our son, Devin, to feed the horses, and I'm like, the barn is the most peaceful place. This is where we're going to have the conversation. So Devin's like, I had such a terrible day. This happened, this happened, this happened. And I said, Devin, I just wanted to tell you, you know, today I turned in my resignation for my job, and at the end of the school year, 
I'm going to have to go somewhere else. And it was a great conversation. Sometimes your kids absolutely amaze you. Um, but you know, in tough times, we have to have faith. We must have faith that God is in control. We must have faith that God has our best interest at heart. We must have faith that, like it's found in the book of Jeremiah 29.11. And I know some of you right away, the verse came to mind. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Did you know this is one of the most misunderstood verses in the entire Bible? Many people pulled out of isolation and they say, you know what? It's a guarantee that I'm never going to struggle and that things will be instantly fine. But I'm going to call you for a moment back up just one verse to Jeremiah 29.10. It's a pretty simple verse and it says this, and God lays down His specifics on His promise and He says this, after 70 years are completed for Babylon... See, he's talking to people this day. In other words, God says, you know what? I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to make sure that I take care of you and your people. But it's going to take 70 years for me to do it. Okay, what? Excuse me? 70 years? You see, God does promise that he has plans for us, yet sometimes those plans require us to do two things. They require us to be patient. And they require us to be obedient to his plans. And we're obedient to what He has called us to do. We're going to prosper. But like we talked about last week, we have to have faith. Book of Romans 10.17 says that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of God. See, hearing the Word of God requires obedience. We must continually be in the Word. And I use that word continually. Talked about during COVID when we were, Nancy and I were isolated at home because we were both sick and we were both crabby and it was just... And Nancy would say, Pastor Brad, have you been in the Word today? Um, well, you see, this thing happened. But we must continually be in the Word. We must continually listen to what God is telling us, whether it's through the Word or through our thoughts or sometimes through the words of other people. I'm going to get through this letter today. <laughs> see, uh, the other day, I walked into my office and laid neatly on my keyboard was a letter. Now, I'm going to paraphrase some parts of this letter because out of confidentiality and maybe a little bit of misunderstanding, I'm going to leave a few parts out. But I want to read this letter to you today. It basically, the first part says, I'm not surely what's going on and why this is happening. I don't know how to help. I'm trying to figure out how to help. You're the only one I care about. I mean, I care about my family, but you're my inspiration in the world. I really hope that I can help you through this and help, help you get back on your feet. I just want you to know that I'm here for you. And in the end, even at your darkest moments, I really care about you. See, this was written by a middle school student. And it was left on my desk for me to find. That middle school student sitting right here. Sorry, Cody. See, but we, I truly believe we have to be obedient to the Word of God. And when I took out the misconceptions that maybe were written in that letter, the misunderstandings that can only come from the mind of a middle school child, I heard those words such as that, you know what, you're an inspiration. You know what, I've got this. And no matter what you're going through, 
I'm going to be here for you. And I'm like, God, is that you? Because realistically, God speaks to us through the Word, but God speaks to us through our thoughts, and sometimes God speaks to us through the words of other people. But we must be obedient to that Word. You know, last week could have easily been the worst week of my entire career. I mean, think about it. I could have gone and I could have harbored resentment and frustration and misunderstanding. I could have hid in my office frustrated and sad and scared and alone. But I'm going to tell you something. That was not the case this last week. Did you know that actually this last week was one of the best weeks of work that I've had in my entire career? Like, seriously. You know, why? Because God reminded me that I was brought to this earth to serve other people and to shine His light on the world. So He reminded me that I was His child and that He'd always, always be there for me. See, I was obedient and I was able to bless other people and in turn I was blessed with a great week and I was blessed by amazing people. See, God promises us that He has plans for us. You know, I haven't seen the blueprints. He keeps saying, you know what, Brad, they're, they're kind of secret right now. I can't show you the whole plan, but I'll give you some hints. You know, we must remember, we all must remember that God has a plan in our lives. And all He asks is that we are obedient to what He asks of us. But I have a secret for you today. Perfect obedience in this world is impossible. Okay, It's impossible. It's not possible except for and by Jesus Christ Himself. But the good news is God doesn't require us to be perfect. I mean, we all fall short on every single day, but yet when we're obedient to Him, some of the pressure is released and we receive our reward. See, when we get into the Word of God and we build that foundation and we begin to grow in faith, obedience will follow because our hearts will desire. We will be in that walk of obedience and we'll live our lives in obedience in the pursuit of to be more like Jesus. And in that, God promises these things. He promises that we will find joy. Find it. Look it up. God promises us if we're obedient, we'll find joy. He promises us that we'll be strengthened. He promises us that we'll find peace. He promises us that our lives will be blessed. You know, earlier today in the the last part of our worship set, we heard this song. And the lyrics of the song are an absolute picture-perfect example of obedience. So I want to share some of those. It said, you know, if you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you're in it with me, I'll begin. And when you say jump, I'm diving in. It goes on to say, if you say be still, then I will wait. If you say trust, I will obey. Teach me how to follow in your way. I'm done chasing feelings. Spirit, lead me. See, today I hope that God has spoken to you. I hope you made the decision to be obedient to God. I hope that you're at a point where you're ready to say no when when things are wrong and letting go when He asks us to do. I'm hoping that you trust in that all things are truly possible with God at the helm. Remembering to be still and still our minds and to listen and remembering that we have to trust and have the courage to ask the Spirit to truly speak to us.